Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. I'm sitting in my office yesterday morning and kind of putting some work on my message here for today. And and I got a phone call from a guy named Bruce Helen. For many of you, you might recognize the name Bruce. Bruce has been one of the missionaries that we have been supporting for a long time. And uh, he is, I think, in his 90s now, and he is off of the field. He had been a missionary in Japan and, and worked in church planning there and just had some great things happen in his ministry there. Uh, his wife is now gone, and, and uh, yet he can still continues to do ministry. As we've been reading letters over the last little while, he's been involved in something called Bible Adventures Club with little children. And he still has had this energy and passion of, of ministering to, to young people, particularly junior hires. And... Uh, he, as I asked him, well, how are you doing it? And he said, well, you know, my knees are not so great anymore. In fact, I got to use a walker. Uh, but I, I had to, and because of that, I've had to stop working with the Bible Adventure Club. But I still have four young people that come to my senior center, living center, and, and have Bible study with me, me each week. And, you know, here's a guy still doing this after all these years. And it's just delightful to hear about those we've had contact with over years, to see and hear what God has been doing in and through them, that God does the work and it continues on. And though we don't see them for long periods of time, there's still something going on there. Uh, as we talked, he remembers fondly having visited here some years ago. And he said, you know, we came up there once and it was like late spring and, and there was still ice and we were on this ice-breaking boat, and the, boat and, and the ice was like 10 or 12 inches thick. It was just amazing to me. And just as he recalls coming to visit and, and be part of this church and to connect with us. And, and uh, it's just good to connect with our brothers and sisters who are doing work in other places, but we have connection with and uh, that's been one of the great delights of looking at this book of Acts that we've been doing over these last several months and, and hearing what God does in people's lives and how he's been taking this gospel and starting with 11 guys after Jesus comes and is resurrected and, and is talking and, and, and giving the disciples their call that you will be my witnesses in Jude- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth and, and how that expands, how they, they fill the spot of Judas with, with Matthias and then how the ministry proceeds from there, how it goes from Jerusalem. And then because of persecution and Stephen's death, they move out to wider Judea, their province, as well and into Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And we've been tracking that. We've been seeing how the message has been going forward, how this guy named Paul, originally named Saul, and, and he was trying to destroy the church, and God changes his heart, and he becomes this great missionary, telling people, Jesus is the Messiah, and he goes from place to place and moves up to to Antioch in in what we would call Syria, and then moves to the west, to areas we would now call Turkey, and to Greece, and and how through all of this, the gospel continues to go forward. Different towns he preaches in, and, and new communities following Jesus have been 
raised and built up. And, and, and as we watch this, we're seeing uh, the missionaries, the mission story go forth and, and all kinds of stories and travels. Can you imagine the sights that he has seen and taking boats and crossing through mountain passes and seeing different towns and cities? Uh, and, and then the real stories of brothers and sisters as they try to figure this out and make their way and tell people about Jesus. Um, and so we're coming to the final eight chapters of this. And, and as the story unfolds, uh, there's a reminder, something spectacular had happened. So much so that they went through all they did to tell this message. And as we continue on, uh, we last left Paul in, in Ephesus and, and in the middle of a riot, actually, there was a, an uproar in, in Ephesus because of concern of the temple of Artemis and, and some who didn't like the message and that many people were coming to Jesus uh, through Paul's ministry. And he spent uh, over two years, about three years in the town of Ephesus and, and preaching and teaching and training leaders to come to faith. And, and there was this riot that thinking, Artemis is being dismissed, and then we, and so the people were up in arms. And, and in the aftermath of that, Paul continues ministry. And that's where we find ourselves in, in Acts chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn there, as we look at, as the story goes on in the mission of the Lord Jesus. So 20, starting in verse 1, when the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months. Because the Jews made a plot against him, just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, and Tychicus and Trophimus from this province of Asia. These men went on, on ahead and waited for us at Troas. But we sailed from Philippi after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. And so I just, again, the, the mission is going on. And now Paul has in his mind he's going to go back to Jerusalem. Uh, there's a little note in, in chapter 20 or chapter 19, starting in verse 21. After some things had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia, and says, after I've been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little while longer. And after that, the, the riot happens in, in Ephesus. And so they're, they're going to continue on. He, Syria is going to be on his way to getting to Jerusalem. And, and the reason they're going to Jerusalem, and we don't have this in the text. Luke doesn't tell us about this so much, but they have a gift if you look in the book of Romans at the, in chapter 16 and, and at the end of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, there is this discussion of a gift that's being sent from Gentile churches to the church in Jerusalem because they were suffering some, some difficulties. And, and so to give them encouragement and also of saying, we are with you in this. And so Paul has seven other guys that are listed there in, in chapter 20 who are going to join him on this task. And uh, he's going to travel and he spends some time in Greece. And it's, it's understood, it's likely that in those three months while he was there and possibly near Corinth again, 
he was writing the letter to the Romans. Romans is the next book in the New Testament after Acts, and, and it's this theological treatise explaining who Jesus is to the church in Rome. And, and as they spend time there, the mission goes forward. But now they're going back and bringing this gift. And uh, as they get to Troas, they spend some time there. And, and with his team, they, they're talking still about Jesus and, and what's all, all concerned about that. So the story goes on. And in verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Uh, this story uh, uh, comes along uh, in the midst of worship time, in the midst of traveling. And sometimes, sometimes we sit in a service and we can't wait for the hour to be up and get it over with. And, but sometimes time is of the essence. And this is going to be the last opportunity in a long while to be able to communicate important things and Likely in your life, as you've talked about deep and important things, or as a friend or family member was going to be leaving, you, you tried to take advantage of every time. Uh, if your, 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 your child was leaving for college, maybe there's some last-minute instructions you need to, to give them. And, and there's this very feel for what's going on there. As they're breaking bread, they're worshiping, and, and Paul is talking on and on about what Jesus and how all these things culminate and how Jesus fulfills all these things. And, and uh, there's lamps there, so the room is getting warmer. And, and uh, this guy named Eutychus is, is sitting on the window and the third floor and uh, eventually the, the late time and the heat of the room and possibly the fumes from the lamps get to him and, and asleep he falls and falls back and, and tragically to his death. And, and yet as they discover this to their horror and, and uh, certainly if you can imagine uh, one of our services and we maybe in the middle of summer have windows open and someone sitting in the back there and falls and gets themselves injured, we would be shocked. And like, what do we do? And well, Paul's like, I know what to do. And so he jumps on him. He hugs him and, and on top of his body proclaims him alive again. And alive he was. Um, uh, one of the things that this story can remind us of a couple episodes in the Old Testament. In 1 Kings 17 and 2 Kings 4, both the prophets Elijah and Elisha had similar things happen to them. Elijah had been ministering to a widow who had a son, and, and he did some great things in terms of giving her all she needed to, to provide for her life in, in terms of oil that just kept on running while she had jars to put them in. And, and then tragically her son died, and she comes to Elijah. Did all this happen just so my son could die? Is, 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 I would rather die myself. And Elijah stretches out on top of the boy and, and repeatedly does that until he, life is breathed into him again. And, and what the woman says to him, I think is instructive and, and particularly connects with what's going on here for Paul. What she says to him 
is, and this is 1 Kings 17.24, Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. It was those moments, it was this tragedy, but also this tragedy accompanied by this miracle that she says, there's something, there's something true. There's no way this happens otherwise. And, and as Paul is talking with uh, the believers in Troas and talking on in the night about the importance of, of, of following and knowing Jesus and this having happened and bringing the boy to life, he's like, wait a minute. Okay, that was good stuff, his teaching, but he just raised that boy. He was dead, and he's back alive. Similar in, in Elisha's life, when, when a boy dies, and, and he, he lays on top of him and brings him. And, and again, it, the miracle helps confirm that the message that's going on is more than just good philosophy or a man's ideas, but something deeper and bigger. God is behind this and confirms what is going on. Uh, they have to cover lots. And then they move on again. And as they proceed on, again, the, the passage is moving on to, well, eventually to Jerusalem. And so they get in and uh, the next passage begins to, to talk about their travels as they, they head starting towards uh, Syria. And uh, as, as the story goes on, he bypasses some places along the way. As they go down the coast, uh, they have the opportunity to stop in Ephesus, but he doesn't do it because he's trying to make time. And, and a couple reasons possibly. One is that the people would be so excited that it would be hard to leave there soon. But uh, otherwise, uh, that the uproar that had happened there, it might have been that he could have gotten in the city, but not out, at least in a timely way. And the fact that they were carrying large sums of cash what the, they were bringing this gift to this church of Jerusalem to, to expose themselves to that. Uh, they, they, he moves on further down the coast to Miletus, but then calls the elders of Ephesus to come meet him there. It's a, a travel about 15, 25 miles to, to come down there. And so they come and, and they begin to have some time. And as Paul talks with them, he's got what becomes for him and them a final statement to them, a farewell to them. And, and I'd like to spend some time looking at this message. And so starting in, in verse 18 of chapter 20, this is what he begins to say. Paul says to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you, that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God, 
Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought, bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from, a mo from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words that Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Uh, this last, this farewell message to the Ephesian elders, I think is instructive for us in a number of ways. Because the first thing that Paul does as he talks about them is he's guiding them and directing them. What does it mean to be leaders within the church of Jesus? And he starts off by pointing out, this is how I lived among you. You know the things that I went through to come here, to, to live this out, to speak about who Jesus is. And I was humbled many times. I was, I, was, I was fought with. I was opposed by the Jews. And yet, I never stopped talking about Jesus and the need for people to come to see Jesus. His first message was, I live this out. You have seen what this looks like because I've lived this out. That sounds almost braggadocious to us, doesn't it? I've done this. I've, I, look at me. And yet, a part of what Paul has been doing is in living this out and talking about this, he has been instructing people and pointing them not to himself, but to Jesus. And the dynamics of how he did that and the manners that he did that, those are instructive for them. This is how to do it. As you go back to your church, remember this. Uh, verse 24 just sums up his, his whole attitude in this. Again, he says, However, I consider my, worth, my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's what this ministry is about. This is what I have been about in your midst. And then he's got a message for the leaders there. And in this message to the leaders, there's almost this Ezekiel-like feel to it. Uh, he begins by saying, I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Uh, in, in the book of Ezekiel, in chapters 3 and, verse, and chapter 33, Ezekiel talks about how God has called him to be the watchman. 
And as God speaks to Ezekiel, he says, I'm going to give you a message. And you're going to have people that you need to warn about how they're living and they're not following me. And if you fail to tell them and they don't change their lives, it is your responsibility because you're the watchman and you fail to tell them. But if you do tell them and they don't listen anyways, you are not responsible because you have fulfilled what you have been told to do. And Paul, picking up this theme, says, I've told everyone. This has been my passion all along to tell people about Jesus. All my, in, my interactions, this is what has been my goal in my heart, is that people might see Jesus and know this gospel. But then he goes on and continuing in, in a very Ezekiel kind of manner, telling them to keep watch and, and as their leaders to watch over as shepherds of the flock. Well, this comes right out of Ezekiel 34. And and as God speaking to Ezekiel and him to the people, says, you shepherds, you have failed because you have not cared for your flock. God has given you responsibility to watch over the people and you failed to do that. And so as Paul picks up this theme, he said, you are shepherds of this flock. And you must watch out for them as you lead them and guide them and teach them what it means to be followers of Jesus. And, and then continuing that theme of shepherds and sheep, uh, what's the risk for the sheep? Well, possibility of predators to coming. Savage wolves, that is the illustration that Paul used. And says, such is going to come within your midst, those who are going to try to, to draw people away from Jesus. And there's going to be influences from outside the church that are going to try and tell people to move away from. They saw that in that whole uproar with the, the temple of Artemis. And it's going to happen again and again. But he also says it's going to happen within the body. You need to watch out and stand on your guard. And there's instructions for us as, as leaders in, in God's church. And uh, all of us have some part of responsibility and part to play in this ministry. Some of us are in formal uh, positions of leadership, but all of us have different positions. And all of us are called to know and to walk and be faithful with the Lord Himself and to watch out what's there. This is the call for leadership. This is the direction uh, that that's, we are sent to. And then his final admonitions is to remember in their heart to be serving others. And, and he quotes something from Jesus in, in verse 35. Uh, remember the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now you may look on your Bibles and your Gospels to find out where did Jesus say that. You will not find that in any of the Gospels. Uh, it is not something that was recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, except possibly in the comment that John makes towards the end of his gospel where he writes, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Uh, other messages of what Jesus says, and it came down to Paul through some other source that this is one of the things that Jesus said. And it sounds like something Jesus would say. It sounds very much like something you would say in Sermon on the Mount, for example. This is how we live. It's better to give than to receive. And, and as he's talking about this, he's talking about giving their lives and caring for others, watching out for them and, and, and being vigilant 
to be a leader who is grounded in the Word of God, grounded in the people and, and knowing what's going on and walking with them. And the passage finishes with, with his goodbye. And as you see in those, those last three verses there, there is a, a beautiful tenderness there as he says goodbye. I, Luke points out that uh, the cons- most concerning thing was, was that he would never see them again. He'd ministered with them for three years. They'd come to know him and, and his heart and, and discovered life of faith. And to say goodbye to him as he moves on to other ministry, well, filled with them, t- filled them with tears, even as they wished him well and what well, went forward. We all do that in different points in our lives. There's someone who has been important to us that God calls into something new and different. He's taught us many things, but goes on for us, from us. We need models, don't we? Now, Paul's saying, I've been a model for what this is. But you've had models as well. Uh, for myself, I think of a guy named Paul Briers, who in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was my senior pastor for, for nine years and, and lived out what Jesus called him to do. And, and when he left our church in Milwaukee, he moved to become the district superintendent in, in Ontario, Canada, in a district that has no churches. <laughs> it's not the most glorious calling, is it? I mean, it's not the plum position maybe you'd think. I'm moving on up to district superintendents. Except uh, there's no churches. <laughs> and uh, the call for him was to begin gathering resources and, and making contacts and help build a church planting ministry within Ontario among the Evangelical Free Church of Canada. It was not moving for bigger and better but the call that God had on him. And I think, too, of a, a guy named Doug Britton, who was my youth pastor when I was in high school and in college and got to know in, in suburban Chicago. And, and uh, he left that position in, in Chicago to, to become a missionary. And for the last 20-plus years, he has been serving in Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, when Beilu and I went there last summer to see Michael, we uh, ran into Doug. He met us at the airport and showed us around the city. And, and we got to see his his little apartment, a, a small two-bedroom apartment where he shared with two or three other guys. Uh, you know, compared to U.S. standard, it was a nasty hole. And yet for 22 years, he'd been living in this place. Why? Because he'd been called to work with college students to help them learn English but along the way to learn about who Jesus is. And he goes back year after year and has developed and, and brings students into his house and they, they, they can live with him to help pay for the rent as they go to university and, and has built bonds of friendship and even familial-like bonds. Two of them have become particularly close and he, he, he looks at them as sons and has helped them along the way These are models for me about what ministry is about. But as I think of that, I think too, what do I model? And that's really the question for each of us too. What is our life? Am I living a life worthy of imitation? Are you living 
a life worthy of imitation? Has the gospel of Jesus so directed and infected your life that all that you do focuses and concentrates on that? Last week, Matt spoke from the the letter to the Colossians in chapter 3 and and, and wrote about how there's things that we need to take off in our lives, characteristics and traditions and and things that we did from our past lives that we need to to throw off like clothing and, and put on new clothing. Clothing that, well, that's representative of those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Our lives and how we live them matter. Because as Paul demonstrates, this story, this message is important. Important enough to go through all kinds of hardship and difficulty. To say goodbye to beloved one because there's something else that God is calling him to. As we look at that in chapter 21 next week, we will know that there is particular difficulties in this next step. But God is leading him and he's trusting him. What is your call? To live fully for Jesus. To model this. To remember who's modeled it for you. And to faithfully walk for him. And as Paul declared of his own effort in life, again in verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the grace, the gospel of God's grace. May that be our mission and call this day and the days to come. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, this morning we, we come to you and thank you again for our brother Luke, who so many years ago wrote down the stories of what was going on, who sought in an orderly fashion to bring the, the, the workings of Jesus and then this development of the church so that we can read it all these years later. Thank you for the accuracy he put into it, the details he gave us. And in relaying this speech even today, uh, the strident call for us as leaders and followers, to be fixed upon you and your gospel. Lord, may we live this out today. May we find ways to model it for others, but also to speak it to others, that they too may know that the Lord Jesus died on our behalf so that we might be reconciled to you. That as we repent, as we turn our our lives back to you, we are following you and your commands to love one another. Thank you even for the tenderness of this farewell, the demonstration of care that happens in community. And may we remember that as we develop even in our own community here. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.